Turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Thank you so much for the support and encouragement and phone calls and emails about moving. How many of you love moving? Every time we move, I say the same thing. I said, you see this house right here? We dine in this house. Everybody's dying in this house before we move again. But we got moved in yesterday, got completely moved out. Um, the Lord has graced us with a, a house three minutes from here, from the front door to the front door, so I can get home and see my babies in three minutes and see my wife, and vice versa. And uh, it's a thousand more square foot for several thousand dollars less than what we have and we have a big playroom. The house we were in was the best house, loved it, full of character, great front porch. It just wasn't child conducive. And that's not a good sign if you have twins and your house is not child conducive. It's like a little maze and these kids are now scoot crawling walking, if that's such a thing. It's like walk a couple steps, wobble fall. So I can't find them in the maze. So I gotta be able to put them in a big room and say, there you are. So the older I am, you know, it's so. We've moved and I wanna thank y'all for all of the offers and we're really getting so many offers of what can we do to help. And so you ask, so I'll tell you. If anybody can run a 220 line, you can help me. If you can help me hang a TV on the wall, cause this catfish here, I got a Phillips head screwdriver and a pair of pliers. That's all I got. I have zero skill and wise is the man that knows what he can do and what he can't do. Can I have an amen? My wife and I, when we try to hang stuff, it looks like you shot it with a shotgun. There's the picture, and there's all the holes that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? So that's how you can help me. So any carpentry skills or stuff like that. Galatians 6, verse 7, reading out of the New Living Translation. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, which means if you plant corn, don't expect spec squash. If you plant apples, you're going to get apples. And here's what he's speaking about. Those who live to satisfy their sinful nature will, say it with me, will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But if you live to please the Spirit, to please the Holy Spirit, you will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Why would God say don't get tired of doing what's good? Because we get tired of doing what is good and everybody else does what they want to do. See the contrast? They're gonna do for their sinful nature and we're doing the opposite of what our nature wants to do and that gets tiring, especially when there's nobody around trying to do good with you. At just the right time, you're gonna reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as oil, a covering, an anointing, symbolic of empowerment, symbolized by fire, symbolized by water that brings life. We need water to keep going. Symbolized by rain that covers the ground and gives newness and freshness and dew which saturates. And there's many different types of the Holy Spirit that I don't have time. Time will not allow me to go into. But I, I want to speak, especially to those of us with a Pentecostal charismatic background, we've reduced the Holy Spirit to a feeling of goosebumps in a service or in a song or under a certain ministry. And the Holy Spirit is one third of the triune God that lives in you and abides in you, but his person and God has to use words that we can understand and it's so vague and until we get to heaven, we won't see it fully. But it's like a dove that you can offend. Dove, easily spooked. And not that the Holy Spirit's afraid, it's just that he'll flutter not a way abandoning you, but distancing himself from you by your choices and by your life. When I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, when I got saved, the spirit was reduced to some guy shaking you and you falling down and, you know, people push on you. And if you didn't fall, they push a little harder and Simonize you. And I just thought it was all such foolishness. I thought the Holy Spirit, instead of knocking me down, wanted to give me power to stand up. And, and live a certain way and have a certain grace and strength about me. 
But we've relegated the Holy Spirit to a feeling. And this morning I want to, and again, this is such a broad subject, you could spend months teaching it. And so I I just want to hit highlights of what it looks like to live in the Spirit. If I walk in the flesh, the Bible said I will reap destruction. But if I walk in the Spirit, what does walking in the Spirit mean? Walking by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit, what Beth said, in sync with Him, in movement with Him. If I do that and let the Holy Spirit lead, I will reap a life of blessing. I can go upstairs with Brian's help and find the computer and pull up our software that runs this. You know, this isn't like a home AC unit where you just say, is it 77? You go 76, 75, 74, and the air cuts on. Oh, no. We have a software that talks to something that talks to something, and you type it all in. But when it's right, at the click of a button, I can change the temperature in a hundred plus thousand square foot of this building. What would happen in your life if you pushed the right button? You made that one adjustment and started walking in the awareness of God in you, empowered by God's spirit, being led by God's voice. Okay, God the Father, where's he at? Heaven. God the Son, right hand of the Father. So where's the God element here? The Holy Spirit in us. Not it, Him abiding in us. And I want us to leave today at least with an awareness of the Holy Spirit in us so that there can be dialogue, recognition, appreciation, and influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Would you pray with me and for me as I go before the Lord? Father, I thank you for this opportunity that's mine, someone uneducated and unschooled and unlearned, preaching the great truth of your word. I humble myself before you, knowing that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and I have no capacity to help anyone in any way, but your spirit quickens us, and it gives life. So I'm praying for that anointing from heaven to give me clear, articulate words, powerful words, weighty words and accurate words that I might rightly divide the word of truth and we might grow thereby. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish because the entrance of your word gives light and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Life in the spirit. It's only possible after new birth. You must be born again to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere influencing many different things at one time, but you cannot personally be led by the Holy Spirit and influenced by the Holy Spirit at a level of lordship unless you've been born again. And when you're born again by the Spirit, which means you come before God in a humility of heart, you accept his verdict upon your life, you plead for mercy and you receive grace, God breathes in you a quickening, just like he did Adam. I call Adam the mud man. He just scooped up some mud and formed this little Play-Doh man. And here he stood completely formed, but no life. And he breathed in him the breath of life. And you must be born again. In the same way you were born through your mother and father, you must be born again by the Spirit. Going to church does not change you. It doesn't quicken your heart. Going to McDonald's don't make you a Big Mac. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. But if coming to church you receive the Spirit of God, you become a Christian. So the Holy Spirit only abides with believers that have been born again. At this new birth, you get a new DNA. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. You get new passions. You get new desires, new outlook, new perspective. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life because we now have the eyes of God, if you would. to, To see what God sees, to hear what God hears, to feel what God feels. How can I expect to do what God does if I don't see what God sees? So it has to be a change, not a will to change, a change. We start with our will and willpower doesn't work. We need change. And so if I have this new spiritual stimuli, then I can have the acts of God that flow from me because I have the spirit of God living in me. 
gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us a new direction, Godward, directing us towards wholeness and healing and purity and selflessness. When the Holy Spirit comes in our life as a new believer, you'll see that your path changes. Do you remember when you first got saved, you still struggled with little things, but your direction was clear. I'm marching to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion. I'd changed my direction. I was still messed up in all the fringe areas and all the real super spiritual people talk about you and cast judgment on you. And you want to say it, but you're scared to say it because they've been in the church 360 years and you'd been in for 12 days. You go, can't you see I'm going a different path? The Holy Spirit sets your feet in a different path, a new direction. And a new direction means a new destination. I am on my way to heaven. Do you still bathe in that? Guaranteed reservation. You ain't got to believe in me. You don't have to agree with me. And all of hell can oppose me. But the one that gave me the earnest of his spirit is coming back to pay the thing in full. Come get me to make the contract, I should say, in full. He's paid the earnest. I'm already paid for coming to get it. New destination. Heaven is my home scheduled. How many have loved ones on the other side? The great reunion is just around the corner, scheduled. It's on God's calendar, if you will. New confidence and a new sense of security. When I was born again, no one had to tell me I was saved. When people come and ask me, they say, I don't know if I'm saved. Do you think I'm saved? I said, no. That's generally, no. Because his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. You remember when you first got saved and you didn't know about why you were struggling with all that, but you knew, you knew great change had come over you. Confidence and secure. Confident. I never had to ask anybody if I was saved. I know the change that happened in my heart. And people ask me all the time about unconditional eternal security. Do you believe in unconditional eternal security? And what they want you to do is side with them so they can have validation. Well, I believe you can lose your salvation just like that. And I go, oh my goodness, you can? And then other people said, I believe you can live like hell and be saved. And I go, oh, you can? So when you boil down all the studies on unconditional security, here's what I would tell you. Those that worry about it should. This Pentecostal is unconditionally secure because Jesus paid for my salvation in full. All right, so life in the spirit is only possible after new birth. That's really introduction. Number two, life in the spirit is one of fruitfulness. Don't, don't, even in your early years, new Christians, don't get caught up in people that act deep and, and, you know, do their face like, ooh, 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 like that's spirit. And, 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 and they try to make it mystical and weird. God's word is your guide to say, this is what life in the spirit looks like. Love. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people better than you love yourself. Spontaneous love. Pure love. Expressive love. Joyful love. Extravagant love. And it's really so simple that if you look at it, a child would get this. People don't do that. Olivia and Isabel, it's so funny, sit in the floor and while one is reaching for this one's toy, the other one's reaching for their toy. And they just swap toys the whole time. Like, oh, I want that. I want. And they're taking from each other. Take the passy out of this one's mouth while this one's taking it out of their mouth. It's like, me first, me first, me first. And you don't believe in the fall of man? Look in a sandbox. Kids will hit each other over the head with a Tonka truck in a minute. We don't love we love us. So how do you know you're walking in the spirit? You enter into this new world where you love people and you will play second fiddle. You'll let them go first. You'll prefer them. Love, joy. Don't be confused with these Christians that are sour and talking about I seen an angel and their face is all dried up and shriveled up and you know, I was caught into third heaven and they mean and they're not happy. It's really is not rocket science. He says the fruit of the spirit, the evidence, the natural outflow of the spirit is joy. Joy is not always happiness. Life is hard, man. Joy is not always physical strength. 
I came to the awareness that the world is run by tired people. It's ran by tired people. But joy means this, that in it all and through it all, you can't touch what God put under my fifth rib. You can't reach it. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And all during the day, he'll whisper to me, you're mine. I'm taking care of you. John, I got a plan. Really? Yeah. I got a plan. Joy means a lack of fear and worry, which leads me to peace. Love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit You know you're walking with the Spirit when you don't live worrying. Now listen, you cannot worry and walk in the Spirit. You're walking in the flesh. And if you walk in the flesh, you're going to reap those things you are afraid of. It's almost like we're afraid that if we're not fearful, then it'll happen. Stuff is going to happen whether you're afraid or not afraid. Life is, God calls it to rain on the just and the unjust. And because you're a Christian, he's not going to exempt you from crazy people, stupid people, or mean people. You're going to get your share of all the crazy. It's coming. But peace, peace that says, I will fear no evil. How could you say that? For thou art with me. And if I believe God is with me at all times, what would I ever be afraid of? And the spirit says, I'm with you. Not only is God the father watching over you and not only did God the son pay for you, but I'm in you taking care of you. Peace, patience. We're going to be patient in this house if it kills us. Well, the only problem with that is it kills you. Hey, you can't will yourself into patience. You can't will yourself into joy. It's if you walk in the spirit, which means an awareness of God, a dialogue with God, an infilling of God, you'll find that patience grows on the limbs of your life. Peace, patience, kindness. If you're mean... Don't name the name of Jesus, please. Talk to your server at the restaurant today like they're a dog. Hi, my name's Joni. I'll be taking care of you. T! Sure, would you like the whole picture? I used to wait tables. You don't want to mess with a server. I'm just going to leave it at that. Because they'll smile, I'll be right back. And they're going to bake you a pie in the back. Kindness. You'll find that there's a tenderness about you, a gentleness about you, self-control. Early on, it's not happened in years and years, but I remember when we started our church and there were several people that liked to grandstand. They'd come to the front and have a spell and fall out and everything. And I had to talk to them. I said, "Uh, I'd really appreciate it if if you wouldn't do that because it really distracted away from what the Lord was doing. Oh, the Lord made me do that. I said, no, he didn't. They bowed up and it was like, Two bulls, kudo bulls about to hit him. Yes, he did. I said, oh, no, he didn't. How do you know what God did? And they get that little shake in it, you know. God made me do. I said, well, I have scripture. The Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means that you're in control. And by the way, if you were in the spirit, you would have self-control. They stomped their feet. And I think the Lord led them to another church. I think that's what happened. (laughs) We would love to be out of control in church. Watch. Because if we have an excuse to be out of control in church, we got an excuse to be out of control outside the church. And I am responsible for how I talk, how I walk, how I share, how I love, and my own selfishness. Because I have the ability. Husbands, listen to me. Don't ever say your wife made you speak a certain way. No one can make you speak a certain way to anybody. Well, you ain't married to her. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's what it looks like. Life in the Spirit means fruitfulness. Now, can you imagine a pecan tree out in the field all anxious and worried? And let's just say they could talk and you walked up to them. What's going on, man? I'm just trying to make these pecans. What do you think? I don't see nothing. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I told you, if you came here for profound preaching, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) I'm a simple, unlearned guy. But fruit grows naturally. And if you are living in the Spirit, you'll find that pecan trees grow pecans, not apples. And Christians grow love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. That's what it looks like. How do you know how close you're walking to God? How much of that naturally flows from you? Not through will or effort. Naturally. Write this down if you're taking notes. The life in the spirit is natural. So does the pecan tree plan on growing pecans? See, we pray about fruitfulness. Isn't that funny? We grieve. Oh, God, make me more patient. Make me more patient. If you'd stay attached to the vine, you'd be patient. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? If you stayed attached to the vine, everything would be fine. That rhymed, by the way. It's not in my notes. All right. Life in the spirit is one of consecration. A Christian can only walk one of two ways. In the flesh or in the spirit. One tends to life and one tends to death. You cannot do both at the same time. I have my devotion, I go to church, and I live carnally. They cancel each other out. My health will not make you healthy, but your cold can make me sick. And if you walk in the flesh, it will infect everything else. What do you mean in the flesh? What your flesh wants to do. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to keep it real because as a Christian, I want to be authentic and I'm going to keep them real. You gave so much of your mind away, there ain't none left. They're just giving people your mind away. That's, that's a different sermon. Walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. With no one nudging a husband or a wife or a friend, I want to ask you, if God himself asked you, do you walk in the flesh or in the spirit, what would you reply? Only one word. If you can only reply one word. One word. Listen. That's on you. That's on me. Separated from the world. Willful separation from the world. And a cleaving unto God. We try one of them. Some of us have separated from the world, but we're still fleshly because we never cleaved unto God. And others of us have cleaved unto God and we worship passionately but we live like hell on the weekends or we're shacked up or we're doing something else fleshly or carnal and we think that God's okay with it. It's that life in the spirit is consecrated, which means I can't do what my flesh wants to do and my flesh wants to do everything. I have been sober 26 years. Yeah. But the flesh still, still, 26 years later, when I'm out in the sun working all day, I'm just telling you the truth, my flesh craves cold beer. Now, I don't have to give in to it. Flesh isn't going away is what I'm telling you. It's, it's daily choices all the time. And consecration is wearisome. Now, I know yours is mystic and beautiful, and every time you say, no, I'll have none of that, angels just flutter all around you and, whoa. I know for you, if you're out back and they say, could I interest you in a dessert? How about death by chocolate? Your flesh goes, yeah, how about some death by chocolate up in here? A chocolate cake covered in chocolate fudge with chocolate syrup and some chocolate ganache, whatever that is, with a chocolate cherry. And I'm like, your flesh goes, yeah. And you go, no, thank you. Could you have, could I have any celery? Do you have any extra celery in the back? I just gave you a visual of what the consecrated life is like. Except this, there isn't much reward here in the earth for eating celery, but in heaven. When we stand before him and he goes, 28,000 no's. Why did you do that? For you, O king. And eternal rewards are given for righteousness and godliness and consecration. The spirit woos us to live spiritually minded, which is life in this one and the one to come. Consecration is always painful and it's always personal. It is not negotiable. It is not optional and it's not according to culture. I'm amazed at the Christians that go, well, in this culture, you can do that and it's not wrong. We're not on their standard. 
It doesn't matter if every culture says we can have more than one wife. We're on one standard. It doesn't change with time or place. Consecration is something God will never do for you. Oh, consecrate me unto yourself, O oh Lord. Make this, make this happen for me. He goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. I invite you to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I will receive you, watch, and I'll be like a father to you if you'll do it. Jesus paid for my sins absolutely and fully at the cross, but the relationship I have with him is dependent upon my choices after, after salvation. The type of relationship, the intimacy, the closeness. And some of us come to church because we love the Lord, and, but we just don't feel what other people feel. Do you know why? You've come into the Lord's presence smelling like the world. And he distances himself from you, longing. But if he affirmed you in that, then he's affirming your destruction. And you'll find the quickest prayer you'll ever pray and haven't answered. Is there anything between you and me, oh Lord? He'll say, get your pad out. This, 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 and this. And when you make it right, am I preaching truth? The flood of his spirit comes in and the witness Soon as you wrote that letter, the witness of the Holy Spirit came back and the presence of the Lord. Consecration is as much about where you live and it's not so much about where you live as it is how you think and the choices that follow. It requires watchfulness and consistency. Life in the Spirit is one of illumination. When you live in the Spirit, things are gonna come alive to you out of his word. In the world, you're going to see clearer. It's kind of like having polarized sunglasses. You ever been on the counter and they have this little Hawaiian scene and it just looks kind of opaque and glassy and then you put the polarized glasses on it and a pelican jumps out at you and a seagull and the blues, you know what I'm talking about? You go, that's your polarized sunglasses. I can't explain it to you, but that's what that does. So I've got my regular vision and polarized glasses. When you walk in the spirit, you see things as they are. You're not deceived by the foolishness and trickery of people's words. You see the difference between temporal-minded and eternal-minded. You can distinguish truth and error when someone's preaching. And you may not even have your Bible open. You go, that don't feel right. That doesn't sound right. You know what I'm talking about? You're illuminated. The glasses let you see. And you'll be in a service. And somebody, oh, wasn't that wonderful? And you went, mm-mm. Is that happened to anybody else but me? And what they're saying is carnally, oh, I like the music and I liked how they did that. But our spirit man says, was the Lord there? Was the Lord there? Because if the Lord's there, that's wonderful. Illumination. Separating truth from error. John 16, 13. I remember when I first got saved going to a big church in Atlanta because you know, I was just so hungry and I said, they're obviously on the ball, we got several thousand people. And I walked in the campus and my spirit man said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, who am I? I, I? I just, you know, I just met Jesus. I didn't know much between, difference between him and TJ Maxx. I didn't know a lot of what was going on, but my spirit man says, no, John, no, no. And this guy got up and started preaching about the rapture of the church. And it's, it doesn't mean catching away of the saints. It means the rapturous feeling you feel when you're in the presence of the Lord. I told my friend, I said, I'm leaving. Now, think of the arrogance of this. Brand new believer. Ain't never did nothing for the Lord. Brand new. And here's all these people been serving the Lord. I'm not judging them. I'm trying to be led by the Spirit. And the Spirit told me, no. So I go home and did my Bible study. I said, he lied. He, he lied or he's deceived. Now, I'm not his judge. I can only live out my own life. But when you're illuminated by the spirit, the Bible says you don't have need of others to teach you. Now, there are pastors and teachers in the church, but you don't have, other, have to have other people tell you what's right and wrong. My spirit knew before my mind knew something's wrong in here. Later on, you found out that this man was fathering all kind of children in this church and all kind of heresy. And there's a part of me, I, I don't want this to sound arrogant. It's almost like the Holy Spirit told you all them years back. I told you, watch that. I thank the Lord for this kind of illumination that shows me things that other people wouldn't see. 
And you can be deceived easily. I hope you pray often. Lord, don't let me be deceived. Holy Spirit, don't let me be deceived. Deception is like bad breath. You're the last one to know. They're not going to tell you. The Holy Spirit reveals the person, nature, character, and beauty of Jesus Christ. John 15, 26. He burdens us to pray, who to pray for, how to pray, and even prays for us in the perfect will of God. I remember hearing a lady testify. You can believe this or not, and some of you don't believe in the supernatural, but God is supernatural. He's not natural. He's supernatural. He can't do anything natural. You may perceive it in the natural realm, but God stepped out on nothing and said, lights, and billions of galaxies came into being. And angels are standing there saying, get out of here. Did you see this right here? <laughs> this woman felt burdened to pray for her daughter. And I, I may not have all the details right, but I remember the story. It's like 11 o'clock at night. She felt the Holy Spirit. And don't you know the Lord's voice for you? Pray for your little girl now. So she, prompted by the Spirit, illuminated by the Spirit, began to pray in the Spirit because she didn't know what she should pray for as she ought. So she goes before the Lord and she prays in English. She prays in tongues and she just prays and prays. And the Holy Spirit was like, pray, pray. And then I heard her with a quivering voice said, she felt the Lord tell her, she's in danger, pray. She lifted her hands before before God and she goes, oh, King, protect my daughter. Whatever you got to do, I stand before you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, energized, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And she said, 12, 12, 10, gone. Holy Spirit said, done. Her daughter came home. Her and her husband were waiting at the front door. Front door opened. She said, what happened? The little girl was ashen white, 17, 16, 17-year-old girl. She goes, how'd you know? She goes, what happened to you? It was 1130. She goes, So see, it's not always about the thing. God's doing the thing behind the thing. So the little girl is going to be impacted in a way that she'll never forget. She comes in the den, sits down, and she said, Mama, we came out of the movie, and we came and got in the car. And these men, four or five of them, came and surrounded our car. And me and my friend, we we locked the doors, and they come up to the car laughing and taunting, like circling the car, just pushing it, laughing at them, like they knew something we didn't know. And they started telling us what they were going to do to us. Mom, I've never been so scared in all my life. She said, well, what'd you do? She said, "Uh, I I, I put my keys in the car. I put my keys in the ignition. I cranked it up and we drove off. And she said, I almost run over one of them. And she said, but mama, it's the strangest thing. When the car cranked up, they all stepped back and froze. Mama, I don't get that. So imagine a little 16 year old girl why, why didn't they just break a wind out or something? It's almost like they were paralyzed. And so we drove off. And so daddy, he, he didn't have the burden. He's got the golf club. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I'm daddy, he going to say, <laughs> he going to say, what they look like, baby? What were they driving? <laughs> I'm going to go have a little deliverance ministry in just a little bit. <laughs> so she's finished and telling the story and daddy goes out and looks at the car She had said they beat all over the car and they beat the windows and nothing broke, nothing broke. He opens the hood and this is the way it was told. I have no reason to believe it wasn't true. No battery. They had cut their cables and took the battery out and wanted to see the fear on them before they broke into the car and raped them. But the Lord illuminated this mother (laughs) believe it don't believe it you don't believe God can crank a car without a battery and he could save my soul are you kidding me car drove without a battery I bet they did step back that's how mamas and daddies spirit-filled mamas and daddies kids that are raised by spirit-filled parents it drives them kids crazy they know something What'd you do today, ma'am? What did you do today? <laughs> it's kind of a curse, but it's a blessing too to be raised by spirit-filled parents. They're illuminated. All right, quickly, quickly. Life in the spirit is one of nearness. 
looking to God for everyday guidance. That's what David did. Uh, Lord, should we go up? Don't go up. Should we go up and chase him? Go up and chase him and recover all. Carnal reasoning says I can make my own decisions. I can assess the situations, gather the facts and make my decision. But a spirit-filled life looks to the Lord for guidance. It leans upon him during times of testing and trial and crisis. It looks to him in times of loss and tragedy. Walks in step with him, in sync with him. Like what Beth was saying, in sync with the Lord. If he's going faster, you speed up. If he's going slower, you slow down. It's like the farmer one time that was outside and had a guest there and they, they saw him yoking this mule up with this horse in the yoke. And he said, well, that's not real fair if they're gonna have to plow or do something. That, that little fella can't keep up with that big horse. He goes, oh no, the trick is in the yoke. The yoke is rigged to where the larger horse is pulling most of the weight. The mule's there really just to keep the guy company so he wouldn't be distracted. When I heard that, I said, oh, when Jesus said, come learn of me, my yoke is easy. If I yoke up with the Lord, his yoke is easy. The trick's in the yoke. He's already went before me. He's already provided for me. He's always protected me. And if I'm yoked with him, I'll find that I have a grace that my unbelieving friends don't have. The trick is in the yoke because I'm near the Lord, depending upon him for guidance, depending upon him to keep me in his perfect will. Believing him to be present, abiding, and active in my life. In Genesis 1, when the world was in chaos and darkness covered the face of the deep, we see the Holy Spirit brooding over the face of the water, hovering like a mother eagle, working. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but you can't see anything but darkness and you don't feel like the Lord's working or is active. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is working in you around you, before you, and after you. Nearness. But if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not aware of it. And it's as if to you, nothing's going on. It's like right there is all that you need, but you're in the floor with the bubble wrap, not seeing the Lord at work. It's not only one of nearness, it's one of quickening. Job said, the spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the almighty has given me life. His spirit energizes you. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. Not just in the rapture when we're translated and we're changed into our glorious body, but he'll quicken you now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll quicken you in the car. It's like a, for me, it's like a cool breeze that just blows over me. Sometimes it's just as simple as, and my whole perspective is changed. You ever experienced that? Gone. It's like, it's going to be okay. Quickened my mind, quickened my body, dependent upon him. See, we want once and for all fixes so that we don't ever have to depend on him. And for somebody, that's why you've not got your once and for all fixed because God knows you'd forget about him just like you did in your season of blessing. His spirit purifies us. It leads us. For they that are led by the spirit of God, Romans 8 says, they're the sons of God. How do I know I'm a son of God? Because his spirit leads me. And I alluded to it just a moment ago, but... It's very hard for me to articulate personal stories sometimes because people just get the details. But I really had an encounter with the Lord in my car on Bowman Road a couple months ago. I'm just driving and I felt myself speak the voice of the Spirit. Said, We're moving. We're moving. That doesn't mean I have character. That doesn't mean I'm deep. That doesn't mean I'm mature. But the Holy Spirit lives in me and he just breathed it out. Just, you moving. Didn't know where, didn't know when, didn't know how, didn't have a house, didn't have financing. We're moving. It's never about the thing. Do you know what the beautiful thing is? I heard his voice. And when you learn to hear the voice of the Lord, that's the reward. Houses come and go, man. Cars come and go. But when you know the voice of the Lord. I remember a year or so ago, uh, driving by Homewood Suites, 
felt the Spirit say, pull in. I about killed two people. I jerked the car around, pulled in, and I walked in because Kelly had talked about going back to work. This before we had the twins. And so I walked in and said, do you guys have any? I saw somebody I knew, very friendly person. I said, do y'all have any job openings? Mm-mm. I said, really? And they said, yeah. I said, why? I said, and I told her. She's a spirit-filled believer. I said, I just felt like the Lord quickened to me to come in. Kelly was, anyway, you know, sometimes we miss it. That's what I said. So I got in my car. I went home and I told Kelly, I said, I could have swore that was the Lord. Oh, well, anybody else ever missed it besides me? Phone rings the next day. Uh, yeah, you came in and uh, I wanted to talk to Kelly. Somebody just quit. And I was like, I told you I heard him. I told you. And see, it's not about the job because if I can hear him, watch how this changes the rules. Then he's leading me. Me. The Lord is leading me. Do you know what confidence that brings in you? If our musician would come, please. Do you know what confidence that if I start to go out of the way, just like my GPS, GPS will say, uh, recalculating. What? Recalculating. At the next exit, John, you missed it again. Turn off to the right. Go back the way you came. Get off at the ramp and turn left. The Holy Spirit recalculates. And some of you are being recalculated. Stop getting mad at the voice of the GPS and follow the directions. Stop getting mad at it and follow directions. Finally, it's one of power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power doesn't mean volume. You can be powerful and loud. Power means the ability to do what you couldn't do in your own strength, to endure what other people couldn't endure, to make it to places other people couldn't make, to continue when all strength is gone. After you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite. Spiritual vitality and life. Strength. Be strong in the Lord. And in the what? Power of His might. What is that? The power of the Spirit. Not willpower. <sighs> Strength. No longer afraid of impending judgment or damnation. No longer trying to clothe ourselves with the fig leaves of our own self-righteousness. Power. Power enough to translate us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Power to free you from all sin. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Stop making excuses for that habit. Some little white stick about that big of tobacco. Govern your life. And it doesn't have to be that. It could be, it could be alcohol. It could be pain meds. It could be whatever. And it's, it's not wrong to use medicine, but nothing is supposed to control you. Sin shall not, shall not, shall not have dominion over you because you have the Spirit of God. You can walk out of anything you used to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank the Lord that that's how I was delivered from drinking. I'm not saying it's the only way. I was just so new in the Lord, I didn't know better. You said sin would not have dominion over me and I could have out. I want out. And I believe that word. And on the power of that word, Simon Peter got one word, come. And on one word, he got out of the boat and did what other people couldn't do. One word. He did what he couldn't do before. On one word. He did something impossible. And the power of the Holy Spirit will tell you, you can come out of that. And the power of the Holy Spirit quickened Lazarus and he came up from the dead. Power over your past. Oh God, if you could see it. The Holy Spirit, there's a reason your windshield is this big and your rearview mirror is this big. I don't want to forget where I've been, but that ain't where I'm going. And the Holy Spirit will give you power to overcome what happened to you and what wasn't given to you. Power. Power over your present. Power over your tomorrow. Power over today. Power in your weakness. Power in your darkness. Power in your lack in your dismay and in your sorrow. Power to stand, power to continue, to persevere, to get back up and to overcome. Power to endure, to be mistreated. Power to be overlooked, to be rejected. And power to even endure isolation. Power to succeed, power to start again. Power to believe again, power to hope again. And power to dream again. You shall receive power, God's strength. 
Aren't you tired of relying on other people and calling other people? God ought to be your first phone call. All I need, Lord, we used to say, they don't say it anymore, is a touch of your spirit, your dynamis, your strength. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says this, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, I believe it is. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I'm a tea drinker and I like a lot of ice. There's my conflict. I go to the restaurant, they have a 10 ounce cup to keep costs down or eight ounce cup and I want a lot of ice in it. And so they pour the tea in it and, I, and it's empty because I have a lot of ice. So then it's a love-hate relationship. I want more tea, but I got to take the ice out to get the tea. So I usually ask for a cup of ice and a cup of tea. So it'll work. You know, some of us, our problem, we got too much ice in. And the Lord comes to fill us and there's no room. And he does. And if you'll carve out some things that aren't even evil. Ice ain't evil. It just ain't tea. If you carve out and make room and ask him. I word it this way. How much time is spent in the last six months asking the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit? The answer to that question is the reason we're in the mess we're in. A demon-possessed person means that their life fully manifests evil. What does a God-possessed person look like? Fully manifesting the life of God. Your greatest need, whether you believe it or not, today, blanket statement covers everybody, is not what you think it is. Your greatest need is that you would be filled with the Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. Your greatest need is to be filled with the Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. One last illustration, and I'm going to let you go home. And I trust you carve out some ice today, some time, and go talk to the Lord about this message. Jesus came up on the shore of Gadarene and there was a demoniac that came out from the tombs. A demon-possessed man, no clothes. People were afraid of him in town because he was strong enough to break chains. And any of you guys that work out, you know, to do this way, all you have is the one muscle. And he would snap chains like they were flax. And he would cut himself with rocks. And he would scream in the night like a wolf or a hyena. And the people in town could hear him. And the mamas would say, whatever you do, don't go around him. Whatever you do, don't go around him. And Jesus pulled up and this demon possessed, picture it. Picture in your mind a homeless, bruised, infected, dark circles, matted hair. Man that, not being crude, used the outdoors like an animal comes running what have I got to do with you Jesus said what is your name and the demon spoke and said legion for we are many and the word legion in that day and time and culture meant 5,000 5,000 specific demonic entities by name lived in the labyrinth of this man's soul I can't even grasp that my question to you is if one man can house 5,000 demons. How much of the Holy Spirit can you hold? You have as much of God today, me too, as you choose. Because if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, Holy, the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? We're out of time in the sense we have to free our workers and the schedules that they're on, but as an act of response, I always want to give you time to respond. I'm first. I am on a quest to be spirit-filled again and to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to just come as an assault to your pride and stand and say, Lord, I'm not going to work it out here. I just want them to see that this is my plan and I'm going to go home and I'm going to pursue the spirit-filled life if that's you, I want you to come stand and we're going to close.
And right before I pray, let me tell you, there's a lot of people in the congregation that aren't coming because they're living spirit-filled. They're there. So we're, we're not in a judgment thing here. We're not saying, well, they didn't. They didn't. No, we just, we're worried about us. We're just worried about us today. Those in the altar, very quickly, very succinctly, I just invite you to close your eyes and lift your hands to him. And in your words, just ask him. Whatever that means. Whether it's clear it out or add it to, I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit, Lord. Father, I'm asking for me. Lord, humbly, meekly, we stand before you this morning. Forgive us of our carnality, our living after the flesh. We repent of it. And Lord, as we make changes, we're inviting you, we're pleading with you to not just be resident in our heart, but be president of our life. Fill us to overflowing. Jesus, baptize us in your spirit, soaked inside and out. Divide to us the gifts of the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, miracles, faith, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Divide to us as you will, Holy Spirit, but we want to not only be fruitful, but gifted, influential. As best we know how today, Lord, we present ourselves to you and I speak this over this precious church family my church family everyone that asketh receiveth and we're asking we're expecting O oh Lord to be more full tomorrow than we were today and when we come back Sunday may our cup overflow in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.